Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkepo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Nkepo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let us pray. Father, thank you for blessing for another opportunity to be in your presence for the Church Good Conference in the northern part of Ghana. Thank you, Lord, that it is your will that your house will be full. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the increase comes from you. Ask in the name of Jesus that you show us the keys to the increase. You grant us the wisdom for the increase. Lord, as your pastors and church workers, we are struggling in the work that you have called us to do. We don't know how to grow your churches. And so, Lord, we pray that as we sit at your feet, through your Holy Spirit, you illuminate our minds and our hearts with great truths that will help us, O oh God, to build mega churches. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guidance. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for wisdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for instruction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for knowledge. Help us, Lord. Let every pastor represented here, every church represented here, every church worker here, be anointed to plant mega churches. Lord, that after this conference, let us see our churches growing from leaps and bounds. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, at this conference, alright, basically, I'll be preaching from these three books. Church growth, it is possible. And every time I shout church growth, there must be a response. It is possible. Church growth. No, you, you can't say it is possible. You have to say it with conviction. It is possible. Church growth. Church growth. Church growth. It is possible. So these are the words of my father in ministry, Bishop Dag. Church growth. It is possible. All right. In this book, he teaches on eighteen different things that a pastor should do to experience growth. Hallelujah. How many of you want to experience growth? Then the next book is The Mega Church. How to make your church grow. Now this one says it is possible. This one says how to make your church grow. Is, is that not the reason why we are here? How many of you realize that that's the reason why we are here? How to make your church grow. 
and then the third book is church planting. You cannot even begin to talk about church growth if you don't know how to plant a church. Now this book is important for two reasons. Number one, it helps you to understand how to plant your own church. Many pastors break down other people's churches, steal other people's members, you know, to build their churches. In the process, the church is destroyed. Often when you hear of a new church and you go there, you see that it is just a gathering of members from existing churches who have come here. So we are really not planting you know, new congregations. In Matthew 28, 18-20, when Jesus asked us to go and preach to all nations, teaching them all things whatsoever I have taught you, and lo, I will be with you. Alright, so Jesus said we should go. The Mark edition, Mark 16, 15, the Bible says, you know, Jesus said go and make disciples for me. Now, how do you make disciples? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. The best way you can make a, a disciple or make disciples is when you gather people and then you teach them. The process of gathering is evangelism. Alright? And then teaching is exposing people to the word of God. So, a church is equal to gathering, evangelism, and teaching. That is what makes a church. Hallelujah. So, that is the first reason why this book is important. The second reason why this book is important is because many pastors don't know that you can build a mega church by planting churches. Now, Lyra Chapel International, all right, has built a mega denomination through planting a lot of churches. Currently, we have about 3,000 churches in over 76 countries. Now, oh no, there's nothing to clap about. You know, um, you'll be surprised to know that many of those churches are very small churches. 20-member churches, 40-member churches. And then, there are churches also in their thousands and in their hundreds. Do you understand it? So, the churches that have thousands of members, okay, like God has blessed my church at Collegon of thousands of members on a Sunday. Our children's church, what we call the safe church, has 1,000 children in attendance on a Sunday. There's nothing to clap about. I'm just saying something. So, the churches with the thousands of people and the churches with the small attendance, when you put it together, then you get a large congregation. Last year at the Good Friday service, we filled the Independence Square, the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in Accra and surrounding Accra, Kaswa, Kofurudia, Takwa, uh, Tema, you know, around like this. When we gathered, there were 100,000 100, people there. Do you understand it? So that is why this, this book is important. It shows you how to plant a church and also the fact that you can build a mega church through church planting. So basically, these are the three books. I may be speaking from some other ones, but these are the three books we are going to be looking at. And of course, I will not be able to teach you everything, you know, in these books. But I am introducing them to you. Now, these books have been written 
by my father in ministry, Bishop Dag, who has blessed me, you know, and released me to hold these conferences. And that's a good place to clap your hands for the Lord, for which I'm grateful. Many fathers are insecure. Uh, recently, uh, I, I traveled with him, and I said, look, we must have more conferences. But many fathers are insecure, and would like to clamp down on their sons and daughters. But thank God, that encourages us to, I mean, move forward in the ministry. Now, this man that I'm talking about carries a mega church anointing. He carries a mega church anointing. What we must understand about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, is that it is the anointing that makes the ministry possible. Lift up the right hand. Say, it is the anointing that makes ministry possible. Without the anointing, you cannot do ministry. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says that if the iron be blunt and you do not quit the edge, then must you put forth more force. Now, I'm sure that those of us doing ministry here, I'm sure many of you also do farming. And you realize that if you take an unsharpened cutlass, I've done farming before. I used to weed under cocoa farms. And if the cutlass is not sharpened, and you use it, very soon, your hands become very painful. They swell up. And then also, you cannot weed much. And then you have to use a lot of energy. Do you understand? But if the cutlass is sharp, I remember we used to sing. We'll be singing songs. You just throw the cutlass this way. Don't... You throw it this way effortlessly. It just clears the weed like that. That is what anointing does. Anointing makes the ministry possible. But what we must understand as pastors is that there are different types of anointings. The anointing is not in only one form. The giver of the anointing, the Holy Spirit, is one. Okay? But in 1 Corinthians 12, the scripture talks about diverse manifestations of the same gifts. Understand that? So, the Holy Spirit gives power for different purposes. Now, some people carry the anointing of a pastor. Some other people carry the anointing of the evangelist. Some people carry the anointing of the prophet. Some people carry the anointing of the healing. In fact, even in the evangelistic ministry, we have people that we call the healing evangelists and ordinary evangelists. If you take someone like Billy Graham, he did evangelism to the highest level. But he healed nobody. He, play, he prayed for nobody. Alright? But Benny Hill would also preach salvation, make up other calls. But his crusades were characterized by mighty healing miracles. Because he carried a healing anointing. Some people carry the apostolic anointing. Now, the apostle is a groundbreaker. Is a beginner of things. Okay, so you are not an apostle because you call yourself an apostle. You have one church. Then you call yourself apostle so and so. 
That one, you are just deceiving yourself. That's what makes you an apostle. Some of you, when you go, you have to go and drop all those titles that you carry and get to the real job. Okay? But when you see a real apostle, like Apostle Paul, you saw him planting churches, training people all over. So the point I'm trying to make is that God puts specific anointings on people and the anointing causes them to to achieve a certain result. Now, church growth, as we are beginning this conference or continuing, I want you to know that church growth is an anointing. Yes. And Bishop Dahad carries that anointing. And I believe that part of that anointing has fallen on my life. Amen. And that is why I'm not only teaching on church growth, but God has given me growth. So, that is why these books become important to you. That as a pastor who wants to have church growth, you must have these three books. In fact, the presence of these books alone in your room or at office means that you have introduced a church growth anointing do you believe that? I'm just coming from traveling with the bishop. And on my way, I passed through London just a day to spend the night and continue the following day. And when I got here, I got a test from the pastor who hosted me. He said, Bishop, when you left, I went to sleep in the bed that you slept. He said, perhaps... The church got anointing. Some was deposited there. So I went to sleep there. Yes. And when that anointing comes upon your life, your church begins to grow supernaturally. May the Lord put that anointing on you. Either tonight, or tomorrow morning, or tomorrow evening, or Friday morning, or Friday night. But by all means, during one of the sessions, may God put the church growth anointing upon your life. Can I have an amen? amen? So I want all pastors to get these three books. And I'll be introducing some other products also. Hallelujah. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is, and I'm teaching from this book, the mega church is reasons for the mega church. Reasons for the mega church. And also, you see, don't sit here thinking that you know. It's the wise thing to do because you don't know. If you knew, your church would have been a large church. Yes. The fact that your church is a small church is a sign that you don't know. So I just want to caution you, so you don't sit down here. Maybe I've heard this message before. Maybe I've preached somewhere before, Bishop. That has preached somewhere before. Oh, I know. You don't know it. Rather, you should say this message, look, I've not really understood it all. May the Holy Spirit really explain it to me in a way. You see, because, listen to this. Revelation leads to a result. The sign that something has been revealed to you Okay, is that based on that 
revelation. Something has happened in your ministry. So, so you might have heard this message 20 times. But it has not been revealed to you. Yes. In Proverbs chapter 30, alright, Solomon was going by somebody's field. He said, I went by the field of the sluggard, of the slothful. And I saw that it was overgrown with weeds. Yeah. Then he said, then I received understanding that a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to sleep will lead to your poverty. He said, I received a revelation. Revelation leads to achievement. Hallelujah. So rather open your heart. Amen. And say, Lord, what is it that I have not understood all these years? Now the reason why I'm talking about the reasons for the mega church is because often you are motivated to doing something, desiring something, wanting something, because of the reasons behind it. Yes. Now for those of us who are married, the reason why you used to go to a certain particular sister's house more than all the other sisters was that you had a reason. There was a reason. And that reason is what has made that sister to be your wife today. So even though there were a lot of other sisters, this particular one, and you didn't mind visiting her three times a day, four times a day, you see, even when you didn't have money, you walk to her. When you didn't have money, and then she said, I don't have credit. Can you send me credit? You don't have money. So no problem. How much do you need? He said, 20. I said, oh, in five minutes. So you go and borrow from somebody and give. Because you had a reason. The reason is that you wanted this particular one to become your wife. You can never start the journey of building a mega church if you don't know why a mega church is important. If you can receive the revelation on why a large church is important, alright, then you be forced and you'll be attracted to wanting the Lord to use you to build a mega church. So 25 reasons why you must have a mega church. I'm not sure I can give you all the 25, but I'll give you as many as I can. 25 reasons why you must have a mega church. Number one, you must desire to have a mega church because that is the most appropriate vision and goal for a pastor. Now, listen to me, pastors. Listen to me. Listen to me. Even this one alone can give you a mega church. The reason why many of us have not been able to build large churches is because we don't have the right vision for the ministry. Listen, pastors. The reason why many of us don't have large churches is because we don't have the right vision. Now, vision is the aim. What is your aim as a pastor? What is your aim as a pastor? Your aim as a pastor must be that the Lord will use you to bring thousands of people from the world into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 
When we say a mega church, a mega church simply means that God has used you that through your ministry, God has brought multitudes of people, okay, from the world into the church. That is a mega church. And if we are a pastor, this must be your aim because you must ask yourself, why are you in the ministry? A businessman's vision is to make more money. I'm talking about real businessmen. You know, most times in Africa, our businessmen, you see, they don't, they don't understand what they are doing. Because once the person gets a little money, he just shows up, you know, has a big house, buys 24 cars, you know, his shoes, instead of buying a shoe that costs, you know, 50 Ghana seeds, you prefer to buy 5,000 Ghana seeds, you know, they, 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 and then also, he cannot expand. Now, white people, when they are doing business, that is why they declare their profits all the time. They want to make more profits. They want to expand more. That is the vision. They want to go into other areas of business. So the aim of a businessman is to have a lot of money. How many of you agree? Yes. Now, when you take a football striker, number nine, if you, on the football pitch, there are 11 players. One is called the center forward. You see, in football, all that the 22 men, as they are running around the field, kicking themselves, slapping themselves, shouting at themselves, there's only one aim, to put the ball into the net. And that drop largely is given to one person. It's called the striker, the number nine. The defenders, their work is to make sure that the ball doesn't go into their net. The midfielders, their job is to prevent the attackers from the opposing team to get past them and rather give the ball to their attackers. Yeah. In fact, there's even a number 10. The number 10 normally is a very skillful player who can dribble. And all number 10 does is that he tries to give a pass, an intelligent pass, a, 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 a true pass, a defense plating pass for the number 9 to go and score. And number nine, his job is not to go and defend, not to kick anybody. His, his job is that when we give you the ball, put it into the net. And they pay them a lot. The richest footballers are the footballers who put the ball into the net. So Messi and Ronaldo, who score all the time, they pay them a lot. They pay them a lot. So when the striker gets the ball, his vision is not to pass it to the defender. Do you understand it? But to put it into the net. That is, and the more he puts the ball into the net, the more valuable he becomes. So the vision of a football striker is to score more goals. When two boxers get into the ring and they are boxing, before they came into the ring, they train a lot. They train for about three to four months non-stop. Building their muscles. They go and hide at, at camps. They don't eat certain food. They wake up at dawn and run kilometers. They, they do training in the mornings and in the evenings. I know boxing is by weight. You understand it? So they have the small weights, uh, 
lightweight, touch weight, bantam weight, welterweight, middle weight, and then it goes on. Sometimes when a welterweight, welterweight I think is about 140 something, you know, pounds. When a welterweight is going to fight for another welterweight, he will do training for a middleweight. A middleweight is about 160 something. Somebody who is heavier than him, he will box the person for the person to hit him. In other words, he is receiving heavier blows before the main match comes on. So that during the main match, when he meets somebody of his own weight and the person hits him, he will not feel it. They do all that. They go through all that before they come into the ring. And when they come into the ring, a boxer has only one aim to knock out the other person. Not, not to shake hands, you know, the smile around. No, 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 no. Often, even their friends, they talk, they, but once they enter there, eh, I will knock you out. That is the vision. In the same way, if you are a pastor, the most appropriate vision for a pastor is to have a large church full of thousands of sinners whose sins have been forgiven and are finding themselves in the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? It's a good place for you to clap your hands for the Lord. Any other vision by a pastor is a wrong vision. Any other vision. Now, unfortunately, most of us have shifted in our vision. The ministry now has become a place of making money. The aim is to make money, to become rich. That's why pastors preach a lot about money, prosperity, empowerment, double prosperity, triple prosperity, prosperity to the highest square, breakthrough, different things, different things. But you should ask yourself, are you a businessman? The way you are preaching, I have one advice for you. Go and start a business and leave the ministry alone. Because your vision is not appropriate. And watch this, Pastor. When God looks at you, when God looks at you, and he realizes that you have the wrong vision, he will not give you the increase. Because remember that the increase comes from God. First Corinthians 3, 6. Paul said, I've planted, I've watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. The increase is given by God. Psalm 2 verse 8, ask of me, and I'll give you the hidden for thy possession, and the utmost part of the earth for thy inheritance. Do you understand it? God said, I will give you. So for your church to grow, it is something that God does. It is God that brings the increase. Now, even you as a human being, if you ask somebody to drive your taxi, you have bought a brand new taxi, you are given to him, every day he's supposed to bring you 20 Ghana cities. But every time you go to his house, eh, he's using the taxi 
He's using it to, but he's using it to pick his girlfriends. He's using it to pick his friends. They are going to booze. They are going to have parties. That is what he's using your taxi for. Do you think that you continue to let him use your taxi? No. You will take your taxi from him. So actually many of us, listen, many of us, we are sitting in churches, we are sitting in ministry, but actually God has even taken the ministry from you. Because your vision is wrong. So that is why, as a pastor, you must have, you know, the vision for a mega church. Because it is the most appropriate vision. Every pastor here must have a vision to build a very large church. That must be your vision. Yes. That is what you must aim for. That is what you must be looking for. The pastor that God has used to build the largest church in the world, Dr. Yonggi Cho, he started his church in 1958. And by 1970 something, about 8-10 years, his church has grown to be 3,000. Now, when the church got to 3,000, he said the church stopped growing. The church wouldn't grow again. And he asked the Lord, did you call me to be a pastor of only 3,000 people in my lifetime? He said he was concerned. As a young man, he had gone to Bible school. Out of his class of about 50 people who went to Bible school, only two of them did the ministry. Yeah? And it's like, we have given me 3,000 people, and that is it. I'm going to be with 3,000 people for the rest of my life. I get what I'm saying. So, the point I'm trying to make is that, in his heart, okay, he did not want to be a pastor of only 3,000 people. He wanted more people. And the Lord told him, if you can believe for more people, I'll give you. So, he just started growing. Started growing 10,000, 18,000, 50,000, 60,000, 100,000, 150,000, 250,000. 300,000, 400,000, until in 2008, his church was 830,000. He's an old man now. He retired and he called 21 of his pastors. So why he himself is the pastor? He gave the pastor 400,000 members and then divided the rest of the 400,000 among 20 persons. So 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000. May you receive thousands. May God give you thousands. I said, may God give you thousands. Amen. How many of you want thousands? Say, Father, give me thousands. Give me thousands. Give me thousands. Give me thousands. Amen. You will see it. You will see it practically. Look, God has seen your heart. For coming to sit at a church group conference, God has seen your heart. Amen. So, that is why you must have a mega church. Because it is the most appropriate. When you go from this conference, the only thing you must be working towards for is a mega church. A mega church. Every one of you, I'm giving you a vision. Write it down. Put down today's date. Sign. Your vision is that the Lord will use you to build a church of 
at least 1,000 people. Your vision is that the Lord will use you. Pastor, do you understand that? To build a church of at least 1,000 people. Amen. Have you written it down? Put a date and sign. That is your confession to God. Amen. So have a vision. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 19. Proverbs chapter Proverbs 29, 18. The Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So if you don't have a vision, you are dead. A pastor who does not have a vision is dead. Amen? I have a vision for the Lord to use me to have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Oh yeah. That's my vision. Hallelujah. Lift up your two hands. Say, Father, give me the vision for a mega church. Amen. Pastors, after this conference, I want you always to pray for this. Pray and say, Lord, give me the mega church. Give me the mega church. Give me the mega church. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of life. Yes. Amen. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. John the Baptist says, a man can receive nothing unless it be given to him from above. So church growth is given by God. So pray. Add it to your daily presence. Say, Lord, I don't want to be a pastor of 50 members. From today, I don't want it. I reject it. I want you to give me more sheep and fill your church with a lot of sheep. You see, some of you, you have arranged your chairs in such a way that the church, the church is full, but the church is not full. Yeah. You think you are wise. You see? So you have wisely arranged your chair. So you have put some chairs here, put some chairs, and then you have left a big alley here and one in the middle and here. So what book can... They look at your church. 30 people are saying that the church is full. But it's not full. That church, you can put 150 chairs there. Yes. Yes. I heard Bishop saying that his new first love cathedral that he has built, he has put 5,000 chairs there. 5,000 chairs. And he's always telling his children they must finish. And it will be full. So fill your church with a lot of chairs. So that when you go to church, you will not be happy. One of the conditions you need to build the mega church is that you are not happy with what you have in the church. Yes. Yeah. If you are a pastor and you go to church and you are happy, you don't have a vision for mega church. Yes. A pastor who has a vision for mega church, if he's married, does not have erections all the time. Because he's depressed most of the time. Because there are no people in the church. 
So I question your vision for a mega church. If you don't have a mega church, you always have directions. You are happily making love to your wife. What directions can you think about the number of people in the church that will just die? Because you are not happy. Number two. The second reason why you must have a mega church is that you must desire to have a mega church because the desire for a mega church will lead you on a journey that to make your church to grow. Do you have copies of these books here? The mega church? Eh? Yes, outside. Yeah, please get your copy uh, so that tomorrow you have it. You must desire to have a mega church because the desire for a mega church will lead you on a journey that will make your church grow. Do you have that? How many of you have it? Do you have it? Okay, your desire for a mega church will lead you on a journey that will make your church to grow. Amen. Having a desire for miracles will lead to the specific result of having miracles in your ministry. Having a desire for the anointing will lead to the specific result of having the anointing. The desire for church growth will lead you on a journey of discovery that will make your church grow. Amen. This is the next reason why you must have a mega church. Because your desire to have a mega church would define your journey. Yes. Like I said previously, if the reason why you are in ministry is to make money, then it will define your journey. You begin to sell water, oil, uh, bread, both fruits, cocoa, you know, baskets, handkerchiefs, cloths, this is a chair, you take a chair, you are anointed, if you sit on this chair in your house, you'll be blessed. You know, because that is your aim. So it defines your path. Yes. You see, my father in ministry, Bishop Dark, after he has built a large church, thousands of people, it got to a point that he felt in his heart that he didn't have messages for the people anymore. Pastoral messages. You see, pastoral messages how to be rich, how to make it, how everything will be nice, your marriage, your house. And he realized that in his heart, he did not have those messages anymore. Rather, the messages that were coming all the time was serve the Lord, go omissions, become a pastor, become a, a, a worker, you know, sacrifice, suffer for the Lord, and all that. Do you see? And he realized that his desire was to see a lot of people being saved. Now that desire put him on a journey of leaving the big chair that he had built to going on the crusade field to become an evangelist. 
So your desire will define your journey. So if you are here with a pastor and you want to see a big church, that desire will lead you on a certain journey. Once again, let me use the example of your wife. How many of you are married? Do you remember? Now, your wife, you were living in one part of the town and this girl was also in another part of the town. And maybe you met at the shop or you met somewhere, you went for a party somewhere, you met or you went to a church program somewhere, you met, what is your name? My name is called Susanna. Oh, Susanna, are you in this town? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Tamale. Yeah. So where do you live? And so, me, how do you call this place? This is what? Eh? Eh? Fifteen. Fifteen estates. This place. Then the lady asked her, Susanna, where do you also live? Then she mentioned, where? Eh? My nine. Where is that? That's the airport. Then you say, oh, I didn't know that your house is very close. What is now? Your desire for this girl, even my nine, you didn't used to go there. But since you started designing this girl, your direction is my nine. When you desire a mega church, you begin to go on a journey that will bring you a mega church. Look, all those of you here, God is going to give you mega churches. Amen. Do you know why? Your coming to sit here from wherever you have come from alone shows that there is something in your heart. So I always tell the pastors that this conference is not for everybody. Yes. By its nature, some pastors will not come here. Because there are many pastors, he has 20 members, he's okay, he has offerings, he can buy his food, you know, he's okay. But if it's the fact that you are sitting here, because this conference is called Church Growth Conference, not Prosperity Conference, not uh, Anointing Conference, Church growth. So your coming here means that you want church growth. How many of you want church growth? Yes. And it will start you on a journey. Now, on the journey to church growth, there are many things which we'll be talking about. But your desire to have a mega church will cause you to go on that road. No matter how difficult it is. Because the road to growing a large church is a very difficult route. But when you have a desire, is it the girl? The father says you shouldn't come to the house. Yes, but there are some bushes around the house. You go and hide there. And then you have come out with a whistle. So when she's inside and she shares, she knows that you have come. She will tell the father, Oh, I want to do something. And then run away. You, see, you find anything that... They say there's a dog in the house. You find a way of overcoming the dog. 
in the same way your desire for a mega church will put you on a journey and you overcome every challenge. Every challenge. Your desire for a mega church is what will let you attend a mega church conference. Yes. Yes. And in August, first week of August, Bishop Dad is going to hold the Give Thyself Holy Conference for pastors. Also encouraging pastors to go to large churches to do the ministry. I will encourage you to go there. Go there. Any time you hear of a conference that will help you to build a large church, be there. The journey, you see, the desire for a mega church is what will cause you to buy certain types of books. You buy books on mega churches. Written by people of mega Because you like to know, you like to know how did they make it. I've introduced you to three books by Bishop Dad. Dr. Cho has a book, he calls it My Church Ghost Stories. My Church Ghost Stories. And one of the most comforting stories which I always share with my students in the, in the Bible school is that his, on the day that he started his church, after doing evangelism and going around doing visitation, people said okay, only five people came. And the five people was himself, his future mother-in-law, and then his future wife. Are you getting it? Then somebody else, and then an old lady who came. There were five. Five. And he has written this in his check good book, My Check Good Story. So now, when you read it, and you also now have five people, or ten people, and twenty people, all right, you realize that God can take the 20 people that you have today. Just like God took those 5 people and turned them into over 800,000 people, God can take the 5 people, the 20 people, the 40 people, the 100 people that you have today and make them into thousands. But you see, you have to read about that in a book. You have to read about that in a book. So if you want to have church growth, you have to buy church growth books. You have to watch church growth videos. You have to listen to church growth messages. And it's a journey. It's a journey. A pastor who does not want church growth will not do any of those things. But if you want church growth, you do that because it's a journey. And that journey is because of the desire that you have. May the Lord give you a desire for church growth. May the Lord give you a desire for church growth. Can I have an amen? amen? Number three. I'm talking about 25 reasons why you must have a mega church. You, have, you must have a mega church because, number one, it is the most appropriate vision. Hi guys. For every pastor. Number two, your desire for church growth would lead you on a journey that will make your church to grow. Number three. Number three. You must have a mega church because the prophetic destiny 
of every church that the Lord builds is to have a greater end than the beginning. You must have a mega church because the prophetic destiny of every church that the Lord builds is to have a greater end than the beginning. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Hallelujah. So pastors and church workers, another reason why you must have a mega church is because God himself says that when the church starts in a small way, he has prophesied that that church will become great and large. God has written it in his will for you. When God called you into ministry and sent you to Tabale and to send you to Borga and to send you to Wa, to Boko, to anywhere that he has placed you, all right, he has placed that potential, prophetic potential in you that the church that you are starting and pastoring, even though it will start small, okay, the end will be great. Now watch this. This must inspire you. Because you see, listen to this. Listen to this. If you were told that, if we were told that, from here to Bupe, on the road somewhere, somewhere at a certain point in the bushes, treasures of gold and diamond have been hidden there, somewhere. So, as you are walking on that road, look carefully. And the best way you can discover it is by walking and not sitting in a four-wheel drive with air condition and the, the screen is rolled up. You are likely not to see it. How many of you know that you make that journey? Yes. You see, because it has been declared that on that road, there is something for you that will have to inspire you. Any pastor here who is discouraged in ministry, may this promise encourage you. Don't give up. If you feel like giving up, it is Satan who wants you to give up. As for God, he says, the church that you are pastoring today, all right, the end of it is a great church. It's a big church. So say to yourself, I will see it. Yes. I have to encounter it. I have to encounter it. I want to see. I want to see our cathedral that the Lord has given to us is a very big cathedral. When we started the church eight years ago, we filled only, you know, about only the front of the cathedral like this. The whole of the back and the balconies were empty. I remember several times I would tell the church members, let us go and lay hands on all 
before the empty chairs and prophesy to them and say, somebody is sitting on you. We did that many times. Today, if we put all our people together, because we have scattered them into different services, if we put all of them, we can fill that cathedral three times. We can fill it three times. But I still want to see that cathedral filled seven times. Yes. I want to see it filled. First service, four. Second service, four. Third service, four. Fourth service, four. Fifth service, four. Sixth service, four. Seventh service, four. And when we get to seventh service and it's four, I will now increase my feet. When Dr. Cho got to 500,000 people, the Lord told him, if you can believe, I'll give 700,000. The man has got into 500,000. The Lord told him, if you can believe and you can have faith and desire, I'll give you 700,000. So, the Lord gave you 700,000. When you got to 700,000, the Lord said, if you can believe, I'll give you 1 million people. He got to 800,000 and he was tired. So, okay, okay. If you are tired, then that's where we are. Pastor, today your church is small, but it will not remain small like that. Yes. It will not remain small like that. Your prophetic destiny is that your latter end should watch God. Watch the word of God. He didn't say maybe. Perhaps. He said should. Should greatly increase. It's expected. So you must expect it. You must expect it. Yes. You must expect it. You must pray about it. I heard, I heard the bishop saying that sometimes when he's praying, he feels that he's harassing God. So he apologizes to God to say that. Not that I want to harass you. But I am just telling you what you have said in your way. So when you are praying, you should tell the Lord, look, I've been in this church for five years. There are only 70 people. But you say that my end should greatly... So please, I'm looking up to you. I'm looking up to you for you to greatly increase me. Greatly. Yes. Yeah. We shouldn't let God be at peace at all. We have to worry him. We have to harass him. We have to speak his word back to him. Until indeed we have experienced the large churches that we must have. I see your latter end greatly increasing. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Can I have an amen? amen? Number four. Are you understanding why you must have a mega church? How many of you understand why you must have a mega church? Yes. Number four, you must have a mega church because most pastors are deceived into thinking that the work is being done when it is not being done. You must have a mega church because most pastors are deceived into thinking that the work is being done when it is not being done. Hallelujah. Now, most pastors are deceived. What 
what is the deception? The deception is that what I have is okay. Now write down the deceptions. Number one, what I have is okay. Number two, this is all that I can do for the Lord. Number two, this is all that I can do for the Lord. Number three, I've arrived. Number four, everything is okay. Everything is okay. Listen to me. Many of us pastors, we have listened and accepted the voice of Satan. The voice of Satan tells you that you have 50 people, you have 70 people, you have 100 people, you can pay yourself, you can rent a house. Do you understand it? Eh? You can pay your children's school fees. And everything is okay. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. You have arrived. You have settled down. This is all that you can do for God. It is a deception. Because brothers and sisters, if you look around you, you see that compared to the number of people that you have in your church, you have not done much. Yes. In Matthew chapter 9, from verse 36, the Bible said that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. For they fainted and they were scattered as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Jesus said, The harvest is truly plenteous. Now let me ask you a question, Pastor. You say you have arrived. You say everything is okay. You say this is all that you can do for God. How many people do you have in your church? Because God wants to save the whole world. Pastor, God wants to save the whole world. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. The world. For God so loved the world. God loved the whole world. Now right now as I'm speaking to you, there are more than 7.2 billion people in the world. So God loves all of them. And he wants all of them to be saved. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Eh, who wants that all men will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants that all men will be saved. All men. Everybody say all men. God wants that all men will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says that it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. That all will come to repentance. Do you understand it? Eh? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. Everybody say all. Now let me ask you a question. In your village, in your town, in the area that you operate in, do you have all coming to church? That is why you are deceived to say that what you have done now is okay. It is Satan 
Satan is called the deceiver of the brethren. Who has deceived you? And most pastors are deceived. That is why we are relaxed. We are at this at Zion. We are happy. Living in our houses, driving our cars, moving around, happily dressing, you know, giving ourselves high fives. Give ourselves high fives. Hallelujah. Wow. What do you think? Bishop. I hope you're madam. Okay, so uh, Bishop Harry can be here. Good to see you. I don't know whether... Did you see me at the investiture? Uh, okay, but we, we didn't get time to talk. Okay. I was wondering whether I, I dashed. <laughs> You're welcome. Hallelujah. Listen. I hear you go home. How can you say that you have arrived when most of the people are not saved? You know, Every time I am driving to church, and I get, for those of who know Accra, I, I come by the Obechebi Circle, and then go through the Abosokain Road, towards Latobekoshi, towards uh, the Mochi Road. Do you understand it? Yeah. Through that, and then I'm going to Kolegono. Every Sunday I get depressed. Do you know why? Because around about... 6.30 to about 7 as I'm going, I can see hundreds of young men and young women who on a Sunday morning are keeping fit, jogging, happily. Hundreds. So even though the Lord has blessed me with thousands, I can also see that what I have, if I drop it in the population that is around me, it will be a little drop in the mighty ocean. But you see, we are deceived. You should see us in our pomposity. We have put titles on us. You have one church. Sister people, you call yourself apostle. What makes you an apostle? Tell us on it. Let's get to the job. Jesus said, the harvest is truly plenteous. That is why you must have a desire for a mega church. Because it's a deception to think that what you have is enough. Yeah. Look at the community that God has given to you. Look at the population that are there. Even if you have 10,000 people in your church, it will still not be enough. There will be more. Now, did you, did you listen to the election results? How many of you listened to the election results? Did you listen to the election results? Yes. You hear Swami, NPP, 80 something thousand, NDC, 10,000. When you add the two parties, 90,000. Now, the churches in that area, how much do they have? If you add all, 
There may be about 150 churches in that community. When you add all of them, it may not even come to 12,000. We are so deceived. We are so deceived in our little, little, little church. That is why God is saying, have a desire for a mega church. May God give you that desire. May you be delivered from the deception of Satan. Which leads me on to the next reason why you must have a mega church. I'm preaching about 25 reasons why you must have a mega church. Now, the next reason why you must have a mega church huh, is this. You must have a mega church because God's will is that his house may be filled. You must have a mega church because God's will is that his house may be filled. God's will is that his house may be filled. Most churches are not filled because they are not mega churches. Luke chapter 14 and verse 23. Luke chapter 14 and verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Let up your right hand. Say, God wants his house to be filled. And since his house is not filled, I must desire for him to fill the house. Now this story, in this story, Jesus said, a certain Lord invited people for a party. God is inviting a lot of people for his party. Pastors, not a few people. God is inviting the whole world. Yes. But the Bible says the people were invited, they all with one accord gave excuses. One said, one said, I've married a wife and I cannot come. Another said, I bought the land and I need to go and inspect it. Yeah. And the third one said, what? I bought some oxen. Is that not so? Huh? Some oxen. And he had to go and do what? Test them. Now, pastors. Pastors. If you want your church to grow, look at me, pastors. If you want your church to grow, you have to have what is called anakazu. Jesus said to the to the to to his servant, go and compel them. That word compel is translated from the Greek word anakazu. It means go and go and compel them, go and entreat them. Do everything that you can do to make sure that they come to my house. Now, what you must understand is that most of the excuses that people give for not coming to church can be overcome. A pastor who wants to build a large church must overcome excuse givers. Because most of the excuses are just excuses. Now listen. They said, one said, I've married a wife. 
And so I cannot come. Now this is my question to you. How many people after you have married a wife can take your wife out to go and enjoy? By the time you finish the wedding, you are broke. You want somewhere to go and hide and to lick your wounds. You have bought Fanta for people, Coca-Cola for people. You have invited a lot of people to just give them free food for them to eat. Which you went to borrow money to prepare anyway. So now, if somebody is inviting you, bring your wife to a party. It's not a blessing. And if you are married and now you have the opportunity to bring your new bride to a party, it's not a blessing. So it can show you that it's just an excuse. The second one said, I bought a land and I need to go and inspect it. Now, the dinner is in the evening. I want to ask you, if you have bought a land, is it in the darkness that you go and inspect? Do you inspect? Will you even see the bodies? That is the excuse. So, people just give excuses. But the main point I want us to understand is that the Lord of the Master was so angry and he told the servant, okay, you are not coming, no problem. He said, now go to the highways, bring in the lame, bring in the sick, bring in the blind, bring them. Now, when the Lord brought all those people, he came to the master and said that, there is still room. There is still room. Look at Luke chapter, Luke chapter 14, verse 22. Luke 14, 22. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Lift up your right hand. Say, so when I look at my church, when I look inside my church, it is clear to me that there's a lot of room. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of room. Say, Lord, please bring people to fill the room in my church. How many of you have a lot of room in your church? Yes. And you see, Bishop, many pastors, we think we are wise. You have arranged your chairs in such a way that the place looks full. But the place is not full. I have not been to your church, but I want to tell you that your church can take more chairs. Yes, on it. Then you have arranged. The master said, there's room. Did you say that we can add 50 more chairs, 60 more chairs, 20 more chairs, 100 more chairs? How many of you can fill your, your current church where you are with more chairs? Can I see you? Yes. So, verse 23. Verse 23. And the Lord said unto, unto the servant, Go out. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. The reason why you must have a mega church, a large church, is because God wants his house to be filled. When God looks at any pastor here with empty spaces in your, in your chair, I want you to know that you are not doing the will of God. <laughs> you are not doing the will of God. You are, not, you, you are like a, a football striker that one will give you the ball. Instead of putting it to the net, you are doing over the bar. You understand? You are falling down. Look, soon, you will see somebody at the touchline. Come and change. Yes. God wants his house to be full. God does not want empty churches. 
and most of our churches are empty. It is true. The average size of a church in the world is 70 people. So if you take the churches that have, you know, I, I told you of Dr. Cho's church. Dr. Cho's church, after 2008, 2008, he had 830,000 people. So if you take that, and then he has, he has pastors who have churches like 500,000, 200,000. Okay, his own brother, you know, has a church of 500,000. Dr. Cho, you can take 5,000 people to give to you to go and start your church. May you receive such an anointing in the name of Jesus. Now, when you take churches like his, and you add the 20 member churches, 50, 60, 80, 120, 300, 500, 700, when you strike the average, it's 70 people. The average size of a church. That is why the world is not saved. That is why the world is not saved. That is why Tamale is not saved. That's why Y is not saved. That's why Boko is not saved. But thank God that after this conference, God is going to place an anointing upon our lives. And God is going to drive in the people into our churches. Can I have an amen? God wants his house to be filled. Every pastor here, please let it enter you that the will of God is that his house be filled. There will be a lot of people. Yes. There will be a lot of people. Look at Isaiah chapter 2 from verse 1. The way that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. So the mountain of the Lord's house is the church. And the church will be exalted. That's what he's saying. Alright? In the top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. All nations. All nations. All nations. The prophetic destiny of the church is that all nations will flow into it. So when as a pastor you sit in a church, you have 50 people, 60 people, 70 people, 80 people, 20 people, 50 people for 5 years, you must know that you are not in the will of God. How many of you understand that? Yes. And, and listen, if you are not in the will of God, it's very dangerous. It is very, very dangerous. You can even die. Papa Hagan, how many of you heard of Papa Hagan? Papa Hagan did 12 years of ministry. 12 years of ministry. Everybody say 12 years of ministry. Now, during those 12 years, he largely pastored. He was a pastor. And one day the Lord said to him, the Lord said to him, you have not entered, you have not started your ministry. After 12 years. The Lord said, you have not started your ministry. He said, what? I've been pastoring. I've been moving. And the Lord told him, you have been doing all that, but I have been waiting 
for you to wait upon me to tell you what you should do. And the Lord said, I called you to be a prophet. Not a pastor. So the 12 years that you have been pastoring is equal to course 90. Zero. You have been out of my will. You see, pastors, you must be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, many pastors today, we do the ministry based on what we are seeing other people doing. So this one has a deliverance ministry. So you also have a deliverance ministry. This one has a prophetic ministry. You also, so, so in your church, you have a deliverance ministry, you have a prophetic ministry. You have, but what is, what is it that God called you to do? The Bible said that let us run our race which is laid before us, looking unto Jesus. Every pastor, every church has been called to run a particular race. And when you, when you run that race, God will bless you. Yeah. In 2011, I did a big research, a groundbreaking research in Ghana. I was looking at the expansion of the church from the lighthouse perspective. You know, and I, I did a study of some of the 14 largest churches in Ghana. Central, Action, all the big churches. And I analyzed why Lighter Chapel International, you know, has expanded in Ghana and beyond Ghana. And brought out the reasons. Now, one of the reasons was the emphasis from the pulpit. Bishop, the emphasis from the pulpit. Yeah. The emphasis from the pulpit. And I demonstrated that throughout his 25 years of ministry plus, Bishop Dad's emphasis had been so winning. Church planting, missions, fulfilling the Great Commission. And therefore, and therefore, he has built a church where, where most of the people want to do soul winning, want to go on missions, want to plant churches. Even businessmen, from, we, we, we have in Lighter Chapel International professors of universities, lecturers. They are pastors. Big, big business people are pastors. Pastors. All over the world. But some people have emphasized on prayer. Now, when, when you emphasize on prayer, because you reap what you sow. So you have ministry which is powerful in prayer, but not powerful in church planting. How many of you understand that? So as a pastor, what is happening in your ministry is as a direct result of what comes out of the pulpit. I, I came out of seven you know, recommendation to a charismatic church in Ghana. You can Google my name. If you just Google in Tefo, it will appear on the net. You can read it. So if you want to have a church, a large church, a large church, you must know that the will of God for you is that his house must be full. May God fill your church. May you walk in the will of God. May you walk in the will of God. And if you don't walk in the will of God, God can take you away. Before Kenneth Hagan 
had this encounter with Jesus. He was preaching in a church like this and he fell and broke his arm. And he was going to the hospital and the Lord spoke to him. He heard a voice. The Lord said, I will explain to you what happened to you. I will explain. So he was in, in hospital, lying in his hospital bed. When he heard footsteps, he heard footsteps and he thought that a nurse was coming to the room. But Jesus appeared. And sat by him for two hours to talk to him about different things. And one of the things is, Jesus said, I told you I will explain, so I have come to explain to you why I allowed Satan to attack you. And he said, you have not entered your ministry. And he told Kenneth, he said, don't be angry with me that I allow Satan to attack you. He said, if I have not done that, you will not have lived up to 55 years. Kenneth Hagen died when he was heading towards 90 years. So not to be in the will of God is dangerous for your own personal existence in the ministry and on earth. And the will of God is that his church will be a large church. May you walk in the will of God. Hallelujah. Amen. What is the first reason why you must have a mega church. What is the first reason? What is the first reason? I can't hear it. Shout it out. What is the first reason? It is the most appropriate vision for a pastor. Most appropriate vision and a goal for a pastor. What is the second reason? I cannot hear you. Sorry? Your desire for a mega church will lead you on a journey that will cause your church to grow. Hallelujah. What's the third reason? Sorry? You must desire a mega church because the prophetic destiny of God is that its end will be greater than its beginning. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly enlarge. What is the fourth reason why you must have a mega church? Because most pastors are deceived that what? The work is being done when the work is not being done. Amen? Look. Look at me, pastors. If we're a pastor in Tamale, okay, and you want to plant a church in Kumasi, Oceani, go ahead and do it. Don't say to yourself, oh, but Lighthouse is there, Action is there, Methodist is there. The reality is that all of them, the souls that are there, they can't win all of them. You do when you go, you win some of the souls. Yeah. When the Lord asked Bishop Dan to start the church in the UK, this is about 1991 or 1992, there were big Ghanaian churches there, Action Central. Big churches. And he said he felt the devil telling him that, why are you coming here? Already this place is choked. <laughs> it's choked. Why are you coming here? But he obeyed the voice of God. Today we have more than 150 churches in the UK. Alone. And all the other churches are still there. And yet, the UK is not saved. That's the whole point. So the work 
is not being done. Brothers, the work is not being done. I saw something in London yesterday. It shocked me. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. Churches that have been turned into mosques. Yes, I've heard about it. But yesterday I saw one. At Wembley. I saw it. A cathedral. A cathedral. And in front of the cathedral was called Wembley Central Mosque. Yes. As you and I, we, we are going around that. We are happy. Because you drive a car. You think that you are a man of God. You have arrived. You have arrived. Everything is okay. Nothing is okay. Nothing is okay. The people are not saved. Can't you see? Can't you see that the people are not saved? Can't you see? That is why you must rise up and believe God and cry and say, Oh Lord, if you can use anybody to win people, Lord, just me, Lord. Just me. Just me. I was shocked. I was shocked. I said, this is not happening. It's happening. Hallelujah. The fifth reason why you must have a mega church is because God wants his house to be filled. Number six. You must have a mega church because your harvest filled is to the world. You must have a mega church because your harvest field is to the well. Hallelujah. Are you here or you go home? Mark 16, 15 to 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. God did not send us to a suburb of your town. Neither did he send us to a few villages. He sent us to the whole world. If we had a small field to harvest from, then we could not expect a large quantity of harvested fruits. The fact that the entire world is to be reached implies that the harvest of souls that we will bring in must be very large. It will definitely be a major portion of the world's population. If a major section of the world's population is to be saved through the preaching of the gospel, then every church should be busted at the seams for lack of space. Remember that there are over 7 billion souls out there waiting for us to reach with the gospel. Hallelujah. You must have a mega church because God sent you, your harvest felt is to the whole world. Listen, pastors, God did not send us to fish in a bathtub. Do you know a bathtub? A bathtub. A bathtub. If God sent us to fish in a bathtub, then we could expect a few fishes. But God sent us to the whole world. More than 7 billion people. 
So if you have 50 people in your church, and you have had 50 people for the last seven years, you should, be, you should not be happy about it. How many of you agree to that? Yes, you should not be happy about it. Now, did you know that some people love small churches? They say, when the church is small, it is cozy. We know ourselves. Everybody has a friend. But listen to me. That is your idea. Your idea is a cozy church. God wants to save the whole world. John 3, 16, he loved the whole world. First Timothy 2, 4, his will is that all will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter 3, 9, God does not want that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. All. God wants all. But you want a few people. So that you'll be friends, you shake hands, you have a little party, you know, and that is it. That is not God's idea. That's not, that is a human idea. That's a human idea. God's idea is that the whole world must be saved. Now let me ask you a question. How many pastors believe that in your town, Tamale, Boko, wherever you have come from, if most of the people were saved, there will be no church that will have space for people. How many of you agree? There will be no church. There's a little country in uh, southern America. It's called El Salvador. There's a great man of God there. Um, he's called uh, Vega. Mario Vega. God has used him to build a mega church. When he started a church, he had a church building. Then soon, they couldn't fit in the church building. So they decided to use the stadium and then fill the stadium. So now when they have a program, there's nowhere to go. So they decided to have a service in another stadium and they filled that stadium also. And then they filled a third stadium. In El Salvador, there are five stadiums. They have filled all the five stadiums. Yes. You see, that is why I said to you from the beginning that you cannot have a mega church if you don't understand why you need a mega church. As for God, is ready to give you. He told the people of Israel, he said, Behold, I am the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. When God looks at your heart as a pastor, how wide your heart is, how much you will fill your church. A pastor of a small heart will have a small church. A pastor of a big heart for souls will be given a lot. He that heart to him it shall be given, and he shall have more. And he that had not, from him shall be taken even that he had. So as for God, is, do you have, and do you want more, God will give you more. Because, Charlie, God loves the people of this world. Though. God loves the people of this world. He wants to save men into his kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 5, the scripture says, for hell has enlarged herself. There is there is a renovation program going on in hell. Renovation to absorb more people. As we pastors, we sit in our churches and we are very happy with ourselves. Yes. From this conference, may the Lord consume your heart. May the Lord consume your heart with a desire to see many people saved into the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? Yeah. So God has said that to the whole world and the whole world 
is made up of billions of souls. And wherever town, village we are coming from, where God has placed us there, there are a lot of people. And God wants all of, of them to be saved. And he has sent us to all of them. And therefore our churches must be full of more people. How many of you agree that your church must be full with more people than the current number that you have? Yes. May the Lord give it to you. I said, may the Lord give it to you. May the Lord give it to you. Receive the mega church. In the name of Jesus. Receive the mega church. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number eight. You must have a mega church. Because having a large church means that more souls have been won to the kingdom. Having a large church means that more souls have been won into the kingdom. Do you know that many pastors are afraid of the term mega church? Even when you say that you want a mega church, some pastors feel that you are being proud. I remember in the 90s, you know, in our old headquarters, where I am now, Kologono Cathedral, Bishop Dark had a camp meeting of us. And when we came by, he put a sign in the church. The mega church. The mega church. Many pastors were against that. Why should you say that you are the mega church? Why? But Jesus said, force whatever you say with your mouth. If you believe it, you have it. So it is your confession. Now, I tell pastors, why should a pastor be ashamed of the term, the mega church. Which means that a large church. When your aim as a pastor is to see the peoples of this world saved. A mega church simply means if you're a pastor, alright, and you have a mega church. It simply means that by the grace of God upon you, God has translated thousands of people who are on their way to hell Eh? Into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is it. So when you have a mega church, it means more people are being saved. Now some people say, a lot of people that saw me that a lot of people have been saved. It's true. We have, we have a lot of people who sit in our churches, they may not even be born again. They don't walk according to the word of God. And all that. But it doesn't mean that they must not come to the church. Pastors, listen to me. Okay, listen to me. It is because of this attitude that we don't have sinners in our church. Now, the church, the church is a place for sinners. <laughs> the church is a place for sinners. When Jesus came, he was criticized. One of the main criticisms was that he was eating with publicans, with sinners, this type of people. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, uh, Luke chapter 15. It was Luke chapter 15 that Jesus spoke about the, the, the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin. I get what I'm saying. Now look at it. Luke chapter 15. On verse 1. Luke 15. Then drew nigh unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear. Who are the people who came to him? 
I can't hear you. Who are the people who came to him? Sinners and publicans. Tax collectors who normally are corrupt people. They were the people who were with Jesus. They came to Jesus. But watch. They came to Jesus to hear. Go back to verse 1. Why did they come? For to hear him. For to hear him. For to hear him. Pastors, the gospel is for sinners. The gospel is for the poor. The gospel is not for the self-righteous. Jesus said, I did not come for he who is not sick, but I came for those who are sick. Yes. Verse 2. Then do now unto him, and then Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So many of us, we have turned ourselves without even knowing into Pharisees. <laughs> yeah. When you read the Bible and see Pharisees, you are one of them. You are one of them. People say, Why are sinners in the church? Why are sinners in the church? Why are sinners in the church? Jesus said, he declared why he came on earth. Luke 19.10, he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Who are the who are lost? Sinners. Sinners. Now, sinners must come into the church. And when they come into the church, by the power of God, then their minds and their hearts are gradually renewed into the perfect image of Jesus Christ. Yes. 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 There's a man of God in uh, uh, Singapore. He has a church of about 35,000 people. That's a mega church. He was explaining how his church grew. He said when they started their church, the church was so good. And he realized that the church was not too far from a place where sinners were. Prostitutes drug addicts, gang members, and all these type of people were there. And his church was empty. So one day he told the church, if we really are a church, then the church is to convert sinners from their sins into righteousness. How many of you understand that? So he commanded the church, let us go and reach out to these people. He said when they started, his church became the craziest church you could find. Yeah. During church service, all these people would come, and right in the middle of the service, you see somebody get up, take a cigarette, light it, and smoke it. Right, right, right in the middle of the service. He said, you will see ladies eh, with short skirts, Scanty dressing, coming and sitting down in the church. You will see gang members, they will enter the church, they will remove the hostel of their guns and put it there. That was the church. That was the church. And he said, as time went on, God changed these people. These same ladies became the choir members and the praise and worship ladies. These same men became the pastors in the church and the workers in the church, threw away their cigarettes, threw away their weapons, threw away their drugs, and now walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is why Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and then to the Greek. For therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from grace to grace. Without the gospel, the righteousness of God cannot be revealed. Yes. Yes. So our assignment is to go to where the sinners are. Preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them come into the church just as they are. They brought a woman caught in adultery and they said, Jesus, Master, ask for this one. There's no doubt. It is not a blackmail. There's nothing like falsehood. She was caught in the act. She needs to be stoned. What must we do? Jesus said, any one of you have not sinned. Let him be the first. How hypocrites we can be in the church. How many of us are not fornicators here? He said, you are not a fornicator. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, if a man looketh on a woman and lasted at her hair in his heart, he had already committed adultery with you. Let me ask you all the brothers here, how many of you within the last two weeks have set your eyes on a woman and you lasted at her hair? That is why sinners are not being saved. Our self-righteousness. And you should see Christians. Me, these people, I don't want to share the gospel with them. I, can't, I cannot share the gospel with prostitutes. You don't know what the gospel is about. Who loved Jesus more than Mary Magdalene? And yet this was a woman from whom seven evil spirits were cast. She was the person who loved Jesus so much that even she went to look for the dead body of Jesus to honor it. And when Jesus rose up from the dead, he did not reveal himself to Peter and all these people. The first person was this woman. And the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle in Jesus' ministry, which was the raising up of a dead man after four days, was done for Mary and Martha who loved him. And honored him. I have an amen. Eh? So when you have a mega church, it means that more people have been saved. And as a pastor, that must be your desire. That more people will be saved into the kingdom. Not few. Not a little, but more. A lot. Thousands. 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 Lift up your two hands and just tell the Lord to use you to bring thousands into the kingdom. Speak to the Lord. Hallelujah. How many do you have? How many reasons do you have? You have how many? Number nine. You must have a mega church because the biblical examples of churches were mega churches. You must have a mega church because the biblical examples of churches were mega churches. Hallelujah. Now, you remember that when Jesus descended, he had 11 apostles. When Jesus ascended, he had 11 apostles. Then in Acts chapter 1, they added Matthias, 12. Then 120 disciples went into the upper room 
But that was the beginning of the church. 124. And they waited for the promise of the Father, which Jesus has spoken to them of, that he will bring in Luke 24, 49. Now the Holy Spirit comes. The first day they rise up to preach, the Holy Spirit asks 3,000 people to the church. Ask 241. 3,000 people to the church. Ask chapter 4 and verse 4. The Holy Spirit asks 5,000 people to the church. That is church growth. Church growth. I can't hear you. Church growth. When I say church growth, you must say it is possible. Church growth. It is possible. 5,000. 5,000. Acts chapter 5, 13 and 14. The Bible tells us multitudes of people, including men and women. Multitudes. The church is growing. God is increasing the church. That is not a little church. Large church. Large church. The biblical example was a large church. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. The Bible says, And when the number of the disciples multiplied, now multitudes. Now multitudes. Multitudes. Acts chapter 11 and verse 21. More. Acts chapter 13. Now whole cities were being saved into the church. Whole cities were being saved into the church. The biblical examples of the church were mega churches, large churches. The Holy Spirit was sent to bring in multitudes into the kingdom of God. And that same Holy Spirit is with us today. And is doing the same thing. It's helping us to build the church of God. And the Holy Spirit, if we are going to allow him, will help us to draw multitudes into the church. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? That is why he's here. That's why he's here. If I get the opportunity at this conference, I will teach you about how the Holy Spirit causes the church to grow. Hello? So, Pastor, ask yourself, does your church resemble the churches in the Bible? Huh? And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the scripture says, And be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. So, there are examples that have been said so that we will follow. We will follow. We will follow. And inherit the same examples. So, don't comfort yourself that, yeah, as for me, the Lord called me, I have 70 people in my church, you know, for the past 10 years, and I'm great, and everything is okay. Don't comfort yourself. You are living a lie. You are living a lie. That's not the will of God. The biblical examples of the church in the Bible was large churches. Large churches. Large churches. And God has not given up. Look at Isaiah chapter 2. I want to remind you of that scripture again. What God wants to achieve. God wants nations. Nations. 
the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. All nations. <laughs> Listen, the prophetic destiny of the church is that all nations will flow into it. Yes. That is why you must have a desire to have a large church. If God wants all nations to flow into the church, and you are having a hundred member church for the last 12 years, how can you say that you are in the will of God? You have been deceiving yourself as a pastor. Yes. But thank God that God is bringing us to a better place. Hallelujah. May God grant us the grace to see larger churches. Can I have an amen? Wow. Next one. Number 10. You must have a mega church because having a large church means that more souls have been won. I'll give you that one. Next one. You must have a mega church because in a mega church, more workers and laborers are released to work for God. You must have a mega church because in a mega church, more workers and more laborers are released to work for God. Now, what did Jesus say in Matthew 9, from verse 36? The Bible said that and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. For they were scattered and fainted as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Watch verse 38, Matthew 9, 38. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Listen, God wants more laborers, more workers, more workers, more workers. Either tomorrow or Friday, I will teach you how to have more workers in your church. Yes, you can never have a mega church without more workers. Yeah. I have over 600 church workers in my church. Over 600 of them. Yeah. Beginning of this year, I had a, a conference. My pastors in my cathedral. My pastors in my cathedral and then my shepherds and their assistants. Over 600 of them. The whole cathedral was full. You can never have a mega church if you don't have a lot of workers. Many of you are struggling. You are struggling. You are the master of all trade in your church. Jack of all trade, master of none. You the pastor, when the choir is rehearsing, you have to be there. You are in charge, you are in charge of the ashes, you are in charge of the, the, 
Praise and worship team in charge of the evangelism, counting of the money. They have to wait for you to come and count the money, send to the bank and all that. Yes. Can you build a mega church? You need a lot of people. You need a lot of people. I run hundreds of cells and smaller branches in my cathedral. Every cell has a leader and an assistant. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. In February, I said all the areas to have mini crusades. So every Friday, there are tens of mini crusades going on everywhere. This one is winning 10 people. This one is winning 20 people. This one is winning 50 people. This one is winning 5 people. When you put it all together, a lot of people are winning. A mega church makes available a lot of people to you. And then now you can recruit a lot of them and train them to help you. The problem of most pastors is that they have nobody to help them. Bishop Doug says he went to a certain church to preach for a great man of God with a big church and important people in the church. And after the service, this pastor asked Bishop Doug, where do you get all the people that plant your churches for you? Where do you get all the people to do the mission work for you? And the pastor said, have you seen, I have a lot of people in this church. I have a lot of money. But I don't have anybody to help me. <laughs> and you can never expand. You can never grow. You can never, you cannot have more churches. In February, I had a church planting camp. And train the people and send them out to go and plant churches. By last week, by last week, they have planted 153 churches. I'm sure now it's more because I traveled and I have not, you know, collected the data. But the last count out of that church, 153 churches. This is one group. Last year, I sent out. 82 or 84 people to go and start churches. I normally pay them in two, so that's another about 42 churches. Why are you going to get the people to send and to send and send and send when your whole church is 25 people? That is why you must have a large church because a large church will allow a lot of laborers to be trained, to be sent out. May the Lord give you a large church. And if you're a pastor here, you don't believe in the mega church, you don't want them. Tomorrow, don't come to the conference. You are at the wrong conference. I told you at the beginning that this is not a prosperity conference. It's not a prophetic conference. It is not, this is a conference to teach us how can we grow large churches. You don't have anybody. You alone, you'll be running around with your wife. Your wife is in charge of everything. You are also in charge of everything. Get to the job. Believe God to bring more people. To bring more people. And then you train them. You train them and release them. Send them out on the field to work. 
Oh, I can't wait to teach you how to get working. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really pray that I, you know, you see, the conference is so short that there's so much you can say. But there's more. There's more. Recently, I went to have a church girl conference outside the country. And I preached morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning. The morning that I was supposed to go, eh, the bishop, the bishop he said, Bishop, I beg you, come and do one more two hours before you go. He said, we need more. There's a lot of things to say. There's a lot of things to say. Hallelujah. How many of you are beginning to desire a mega church? Let me see your hand. How many of you? I begin to desire a mega church. And I want to advise you. If you are here and you don't want a mega church, you are wasting your time. Tomorrow, don't come here. I'm advising you. Don't come here. Find somewhere and go. Go for a banking ministry uh, conference or something. Where they are talking about money. Here we are talking about how we can build large churches. How many of you want large churches? May the Lord give you the large churches. Wow. Hallelujah. Number hot. What do you, number do you have? Okay, what about number you have? It's okay. You must have a mega church because through a mega church, more ministers of the gospel, full-time pastors and bishops are trained and appointed and released into the harvest field. You must have a mega church because it makes it more possible for various levels of ministers, pastors, lay workers, eh, bishops, leaders of different categories to be trained, appointed, and released. Two weeks ago, we consecrated 22 bishops from all across the world Australia. Caribbean islands, eh? uh, how do you call it? Uh, Europe, everywhere. And all these bishops are centers of much work. They are centers of much work. And they in turn are training church workers, they are training pastors, they are training all kinds of people for the expansion. For the expansion. Yeah. But when a church is small, you'll be the only pastor, the only bishop, the only apostle, only vice God in your church. Nobody else. Nobody else. There's nobody else like you. The title that the founder of Lydda Chapel International carries, Bishop Dark, he carries the title Bishop, is the title that he has put on 60 other people to be called bishops. Same I want you to work at a higher level. That's what it means. I want you to work at a higher level. And all these bishops have hundreds of churches. Lot of churches. I'm overseeing over 400 churches. But that is when the church is large. Otherwise, you cannot have 10 pastors in a 25-member church. What are they going to do? And many of them are angry with you because you are not making them pastors. And you, you also realize it doesn't make sense. The church is 42 people. 
How can we have seven of us as the pastors? That's why you have to train them and send them out. The pastors delight us. We train them. We send them out. Hey, when they go, they struggle. They struggle. They want to give up. I say, you cannot give up. Press on. One missionary sent me a WhatsApp. He said, Bishop, honestly speaking, the thing is not working. The church is finishing before my eyes. The weekday service is not working. Bishop, what should I do? I sent him a test. I said, keep on, press on. That's all. Keep on, press on. But you know from experience, one day this same person, God will stabilize the church and God will bless the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen. More laborers. Some of you, what you do is that you poach other people's laborers. You poach other people's laborers. You look at somebody's very well-trained keyboardist and you go behind him and say, come, how much are you paid? I'll pay you more. You poach. And you destroy churches. You poach people's singers. You poach people's praise and worship. How many of you have heard of things like that before? Eh? You have heard of things like that. People being enticed to move from this church to go to this church. How many of you, if you have not seen it, because you have just come. You wait, you grow a little in the ministry. When you grow a little in the ministry, you see. Yeah. You see people, somebody's praise and worship leader that he has spent time on to train another pastor. And watch out for pastors who come and start so-called new churches. Most of the time, what we call new churches are not new churches. If you like go there, you see your members there. If a new church appears in Tamale, alright, and you go there, you go there, you find three of your members are there. Two of mine, two of yours, five of yours. That's a, it's not a new church. We don't win souls anymore. We don't win Soul winning has been thrown out of the church. We have become specialists of money. We are bankers in the church. Pastors have become bankers. We talk about stock exchange and investment. That's what we talk about in the church. Not so winning. Not so winning. Not so winning. Bishop Dad went for a conference and preached on John 3 16. So a pastor came and said, Hey, hey you are still preaching the basics here. Eh? We have advanced into higher things. Higher things? What is the higher? You are backslidden. That's what it means. You have backslidden. You are backslidden. The main message of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the main gospel. You are calling basics. It's because you are backsliding. We don't have altar calls in our churches anymore. Watch. You go to a church. At the end of the day, can you close your eyes? Is there anybody here you want to have Jesus? No. We make altar calls for offerings. Offerings. Yeah. That's why we don't have laborers. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm training 300 young people. They are, they are 18 years, 20, 22 years. I'm training 300 of them to become cell leaders. Yeah. 
In the next about two months, I'll, I'll have finished training them. And I pay them. I pay them and send them to go and start sales. So that will be 150 sales. When I start 150 sales, let's say in May, and by August, four months later, each of them have five. Five multiplied by 150, 750, 750. That is the growth of the church. That's how the church grows. That's how the church grows. How many of you can understand it? Yes. So that is why you must have a mega church. So you can have more laborers, more workers, more people. You multiply yourself in them. You train them to pray, to study the scriptures, to preach, to teach, and then you release them for evangelism, soul winning, cell work, visitations. You multiply yourself in them. So as you are fighting, they are also fighting. Can I have an amen? amen? Yeah. One of the things that I do in our denomination, I train all our pastors and all our missionaries. And they are all here. When I go around to go and visit them, Bishop, you'll be shocked. You enter a church, the pastor doesn't have a new believer school. New believer school doesn't have it. He doesn't have new believer school. You don't have new believer school. So the converts that you get, what happens to them? That's why the church doesn't grow. Because your front door is widely open and your back door is also equally widely open. So come in, go out. Your church is called come in, go out. There are many churches like that here. And I ask them, why? Is that what you were taught in Bible school? Didn't we teach you to have new believers school, to have shepherds training school, pastors training school? Didn't we teach you? But you see, that is why your church is not growing. That's why it's not growing. When I hold this conference in Accra, the second week of every September, there's a bishop from South Africa that I invite. It's called Bishop Musasono. That's a huge church. He is the person who, about three years ago, he made a statement I've never forgotten. He said, the church does not grow. The church must be made to grow. The church does not grow. The church must be made to grow. And it is true. When you bring a baby into the world, if you like, leave the baby. Leave it. Leave it. The baby will die. Or feed it, but feed it without adequate food. You develop a child with two conditions. One is called kwashiako. Koshako is when there's no proteins. So the stomach is very big. The bottles is so small. And then it's very standard. And the second one is there's protein, but the food is not enough. Everything is not enough. So you find what you call small, small boy, old man. Marasmus. Small boy, old man. But the major thing about that is they all don't grow. They all don't grow. For the child to grow, the child must have equal proportion and adequate 
portion of proteins, carbohydrates, fats, so many things, and it grows. So it, that's the same thing in your church. Sometimes people feel that in 2017, my church is 20 members. God willing, in 2018, we move to 30 people. Then in 2019, we move to 50 people. It's all like that. Too. Actually, by 2019, you won't have a church. You will not have a church. Not. A lot of churches have folded up. They have folded up. They have folded up. Folded up. Do you understand when I say folded up? The church is finished, so they have closed the church. The church must be made to grow. One of the things that you should do for the church to grow is to have more laborers, more workers. Hallelujah. Are you here or go home? Huh? Wow. Next one. You must have a mega church because in a mega church, more people are involved in prayer against the power of the prince of the air. More people are involved in prayer against the prince of the power of the air. Whose work is to cause the church not to grow? Whose work is to scatter the church? Yes. Yeah. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, I believe, he said, a great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Hey, pastors, look at me. How many of you know that there are a lot of enemies in the ministry? Eh? Satan wants to scatter your church. Satan doesn't want your church to grow. So you have to reduce his influence, and that is done through prayer. And the more the church prays and binds the the devil, the less he is free to cause trouble in the church. But once again, we don't pray. As of all, there's no prayer in the church. A research was done in America. Evangelical, they call, they, they call the, the, like all the charismatics and all these Baptist evangelical, evangelicals. The average prayer time for a pastor was about 15 minutes or so. That is why there's no power in the church. There's no power. There's no power. There's no, nobody gets saved. Because you need power for people to be saved. The power of the Holy Spirit. Which is released through prayer. When, when the apostles started the church, soon they were involved in sharing bread, making coffee, tea, you know, the how do you call it, the Grecian women were saying that uh, the 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 Grecian men said their people were not begin. Paul said, Peter said, "Hey, we beg you, we beg you. Our work is not to do all these things. Choose men and give those things to them. But as for us, we we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the world. And in verse seven, Acts seven, the Bible says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples." A 
A church must have a lot of prayer. Hey. A church must have a lot of prayer. Every church must be infused with a lot of... But you see, that is made possible when you have a lot of people praying. A lot of people praying. Yeah. At my cathedral, the first three days of every month, the whole church prays. We end up with an all night on a Friday. But every day of the week, Monday to Saturday, every day, there is a group in the church that prays. We call it prayer rotation. Every day. Every day. Now, as that is happening, every day there's a pastor who is on duty for prayer. So we all pray. But when we are finished, it is your duty for you to pray for this church today. Pastor. Every day. On Saturdays, we have a prayer meeting called Prayer Bomb. It is a special bomb we prepare to throw against the devil, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and disarm them so that the Sunday service will be blessed. Yeah. I have over 20 pastors at the cathedral. Every pastor prays not less than three hours. And my 600 plus workers, everybody must pray at least one hour on Saturday. All of it towards the service. That there will be salvation. That the church will be full. The power of God will be released. The word of God will be preached with power. So that the faith of the people will rest in God and not in the pastor. That there will be signs and wonders. The needs of the people will be met. To come against demonic activity. That there will be supernatural growth. We prepare this. A month of prayer. That is why, Bishop, every Sunday at my cathedral, when we say this Sunday we didn't do well, 100 converts. 100 converts every Sunday. 100 converts. It means we didn't do well. We didn't do well. 100 converts. 100 converts per Sunday means 400 converts in a month. If you are able to keep even 10% of them, 10% of 400 is 40 people per month. Times 10 months, that is 400. You add 400 people in, four, in 10 months. When was the last time you added 400 people to your church? How many of you can understand why the churches are not growing? There's no prayer. You the pastor, you don't pray. Most pastors don't pray. I don't want to go into prayer tonight. Other will sleep here. But most pastors don't pray. It's true. Don't deceive yourself. Just wake up and decide to pray. You don't pray. You do not pray. You don't pray. You don't pray. A pastor of a church should not pray less than three hours every day. Yeah. You should not pray less than three hours. Most mega church pastors, when you ask them, they will tell you, I pray. I pray. I pray. Recently, I heard Bishop Dad. He said, I pray now more than I used to pray before. And I'm thinking, Bishop Dad, what do you want again? 3,000 churches in the world, in more than 76 countries, 2,000 pastors, 60 bishops, 
church buildings and cathedrals all over. Huge Bible school, the, the largest in the country. What else do you want? The, the biggest crusade in Africa today. What else do you want? Rest and sleep. Take your uh, um, remote. Watch Kukumbwaja. Which is what pastors are watching. Pastors are watching Kukumbwaja. Over my mess. I went to have a church go uh, conference in another country. I don't want to mention the name. The pastor told me, he said, he said the pastor's here. After church, they just go, they eat, they cross there, they take their remote, and then they'll be changing the channels. And he said, that's why the church are small, 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 in another country. Hallelujah. I am trying to explain to you why you must have a mega church. How many of you, the mega church is beginning to boil, is beginning to boil up. Charlie, God is going to make you a mega church pastor. In the name of Jesus. For though your beginning was small, yet thy latter end shall greatly increase. Are you clapping your hands for Jesus? Next one. The next reason why you must have a mega church is because a mega church will ensure a large income. Which will help you to carry out all the different aspects of ministry that God has called you to do. A mega church would ensure a large income, and a large income will help you to carry out all the different aspects of ministry that God has called you to do. In Second Timothy chapter four and verse five. Paul told Timothy, make full proof of your ministry. In other words, fulfill all aspects of your ministry. Now, let, 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 me, let me speak to the pastors of this region. It is known that this part of the country you know, is less endowed than the southern part. It's a known fact. The researches and the statistics and all the facts are there. But listen to me. Reverend Eastwood, Reverend Eastwood has built one of the most successful and highly endowed ministry right here in the north. How many of you know that? How many of you know that? How many of you know that? Yes, he's been here all these years. The ministry that he has here, the ministry that he has here, 80% of the pastors in the South don't have it. So Ruth means it is possible. How many of you agree that it is possible? It is. It is. And I'm sure one of the things that has helped him is that he has built a mega church. When you come to my church at Kolegono, I don't have many rich people. Number one, because it's quite a young church. It's eight years. I have students. I have a lot of students, a lot of young people, young adults, young graduates. 
then it is God has garnished it with you know a few rich people here and there. But the income of my church, eh? the income of my church, and the money that I control, in 2016, between 2015, 2015 February to 2016 March, I undertook 17 building projects for churches. I constructed for our missionaries. Some of them are sitting down. 17. From that church. You see, because you may not have a lot of rich people, but if you have 500 people, you have 500 people, and you take an offering and everybody gives one Ghana city, you have 500 Ghana cities. You have 500 Ghana cities. You have 500 Ghana cities. In a month, you have 2,000 Ghana cities. That is something. How many persons are good at that? That is something. It is. It is. And if God blesses you and put a few rich people in, then instead of 2,000, you can easily end up at 4,000. So I'm saying that when you have a large church, it helps you to get a large income. You see, many pastors are so sad because they are limited in what they want to do for the Lord. Because there's no money. There's no money. You have fantastic ideas. You want to build an orphanage? You want to start a school wherever you are? and all. You can't because there's no money. And one of the main reasons why I don't have money is because the church is small. And the people are tired. These same people, you have squeezed them until now when you ask for money. Even when they see you, they get angry. Make sure you are at the conference tomorrow. Because if I preach a certain message, I'm going to ask you to resign as a full-time pastor and go and look for a job. You are wasting everybody's time in the church. Go and look for a job. You cannot sit in a church of 30 people and be receiving salary. Get a job. Do the job. Get your salary and build that church. When the church grows, you can now come back to full-time ministry. So that you can use the money. You can use the money to develop the ministry. How many pastors here you have, God has put certain things on your heart. Can I see your hand? Certain things that God wants you to do. Eh? Is that not the case, brother? But most of the time, Charlie, l'argent, l'argent, could The kudi is not there. Hallelujah. As I'm speaking right now, Lighthouse Chapel International is carrying somewhere in the region of 500 building projects at the same time. You all have seen the buildings all over. Yeah. That's it. 
Money doesn't come from anywhere. And the offerings. And the offerings. Because you see, small church here, small church, then you get one big one here, small church. When we put all the monies together, eh? Yeah. And one of the things I'm going to teach you at this conference is that build a family of churches instead of building autonomous churches. The Assemblies of God Church, which is one of the oldest churches that came into the country, has not done so well because of this. Because once you, are, you start a church, you are on your own. You're on your own. Because you're autonomous. You pay a tithe. But we don't operate like that. Every lighthouse church from New Zealand to Canada, Afghanistan, we have decided they won't go there because they killed one of our pastors. That's just a joke. But they killed one of our pastors. He was a soldier. It's one family. It's one big family. Money can move from Tamale to Obuasi. If Obuasi is too close, it will find itself in Solomon Islands. It's the same money. You get a large income and you can do a lot. May the Lord give you a lot of people. May your income go up. And when God gives you the income, don't you sit on yourself, Pastor. On Sunday, when you go to church, don't put the offerings in the boot of your car. It's not your money. The church's money is not your money. Separate your money from the church's money. The church's money is the church's money, and then your money is your money. Don't mess up the two. Look, I'm telling you why many churches have not done well, not developed, not built. There's a great man of God. I'll mention his name. If I mention his name, you all know. He sent his child, his member to our Bible school for four years. So just at the tail end of, you know, his studies, he went to visit, visit his spiritual father. And then he sat in the pastor's meeting. Big man of God. Most of you here know him. 90% of you here know him. So he asked him, you have been to Bible school for you. When you come, is there anything that you have learned that you can help us to? He said, for example, the finances. When I come, I would advise that when we take the offerings, we should send everything to the bank. And then we use vouchers to sign for monies to go to the bank. Use checks, you know, and all that. This person, the big man pastor, he nearly collapsed. He said, do you mean that there's something like that? And then he also told that that we can come out of a system where we can, we can plot charts to find out and make analysis of income versus expenditure, you know, and all that. He had learned all that from Lighthouse. Because you know what has happened, Bishop? When they take the offering of Sunday, right there, right there, this one, give, give him thousand to buy, you know, this one. I'm telling you, just like that. And he himself says, I'm just. The church doesn't have a church building. If I mention the name of the pastor, you collapse. It doesn't have a church building. Hallelujah. Well, I have 25 reasons 
But that's all that I can give you tonight. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Ask God to give you the mega church. Lift up your voice and pray. 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 Lord, give me the mega church. Lift up your hands. La terimo hoshi palasete. Alimo siyakirimo se balima hakarimo shete. Lift up your voice and say, Lord, please give me the mega church. Cause my church to grow, Lord. Paul said, I planted, Apollos have watered, but God gave the increase. Tell the Lord, please, can you send the increase? Can you cause my church to grow? been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International Light of the World Cathedral Collegon. Opus is a Collegon main game. Please note our service times. English services, early rain service, 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. His presence service, 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And love and faith service, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Other languages, L'Eglise Glorious, French, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Gain, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope, Tree, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant You Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For prayer, counseling, and further inquiries, please call 278 888-884 or 543 The numbers again 0278-888-884 or 543 God bless you.